0: Welcome to Witham Sounding Board, a podcast sharing powerful business tips, insights, and trends for those seeking to become a rock star in their industry. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Kim Gordon, and I'm here with Alex LaMalfa and Christian DeRusso. And then they're going to talk about their practice called FAST that's at them right now. And then it really has to do with FPNA a as a service. And then what is FP&A as a service? What Christian and I came up with, along with some other help, uh, other people
1: with them, kind of as a way to analyze the business financial data, provide them really high-arching guidance and uh, oversight to kind of how performance is going, corporate performance management. You know, most of these companies, you know, they're under $20 million in revenue. They're, they're not huge companies. They're not going to have the need for a full-time finance person in-house. They're not going to need someone of that specialty. So what we do is we come in and we, uh, we utilize our fast reporting. When you're driving your car, you know, you have all the gauges, you have all the windows, uh, you know, as you're driving your car, you know, you have your whole dashboard. And we want to act as kind of like the dashboard to the business owner, kind of provide them with overarching analysis and analytics to kind of help them drive their business and make sure that they're, you know, driving towards profitability. Or if they're unprofitable, how can we correct the trip? How can we do a course correction? How can we pivot?
2: And our overall mantra or like focus kind of for the service is really just employing analytics to provide financial visibility and a a business insight so pretty much exactly what alex was saying just very straight into the point um, financial dashboards that can really help guide your business in the right direction and really make sure you understand all aspects of the financials and every, everything that you would get from your gap reporting essentially
0: and then in terms of like what a typical project would look like so you mentioned the dashboards what other, like, what else is involved that the company can leverage?
1: So, yeah, so we do we do typically, like, a monthly financial review. So we'll have, you know, a whole budget to actual analysis. We'll, you know, provide this on a monthly basis to the clients. Prior performance, maybe a tra- trailing 12 months. It really depends on what the client needs. It might be analysis on, like... Let's say if it's a construction company, how their um, you know how their all their contracts are doing. Are they following to costs? Are they overbilling or underbilling? And then from the quarterly perspective, is we have you know we've built out this nice KPI dashboard that really gives you a snapshot each quarter of how performance is going. How you know let's say how your debt covenants, how your debt service ratio is, how your current uh, you know your current uh, liabilities and current assets are. You know, kind of gives you a lot more insight to your business, like kind of like that like that dashboard where you're driving your car, where you have your speedometer and your engine overeating and all that stuff. You know, it helps the business owner on a quarterly basis at least from the dashboard point of view you know help that that was kind of like our inspiration is that you know we know a lot of companies who you know they're not the large world and they could use this type of help you know they they have the accountant for the audit they have the tax professional when they're doing their taxes but they really have no one to come to and say like hey you know compared to benchmarks or Canada analytics are we doing the right thing or you know how are we doing with that type of stuff and that's kind of what we were going for is you know i've spent many years in the fortune 500s of the world and i really wanted to bring like that type of best in class service that you know i got accustomed to providing as a you know as a finance business partner to you know the organizations i and, in you know these smaller startups smaller companies that you know let's be honest here, they don't have the headcount or the need of a full-time finance person and in addition to the dashboards we could do any type of listen we could do budgeting we could do any type of variance analysis they need we really could do whatever they would need from a finance point of view but at a fraction of, uh, of a headcount, you know, as an hourly basis, we'll call it.
2: Yeah, so we, we kind of offer two parts of the service also, like we mentioned before, the, the monthly dashboards um, and the quarterly dashboards. So the quarterly dashboards really incorporate those gauges and kind of pegs everything to industry benchmarks. So the way we calculate all of that is um, really through the gap financial statements that your business would generate, whether you're using your own accountants or with them outsourced accounting services, Oasis, anything along those lines. And a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, they're not ex- extremely familiar with the layout of a financial report or how to read interpret them as someone like a CPA would or anything along those lines. So one thing that we thought was helpful was to create these dashboards directly from the financial statements and clearly lay them out in a simple to read report that'll really highlight what bankers, investors, anything along those lines, credit, uh, credit officers looking to see um, what your debt is and anything like that. You'd kind of be able to easily pick it out and highlight that on a monthly and quarterly basis. So with them can work with you even further um, with our quarterly meetings, and that'll really help you kind of improve on your lagging metrics. So based on the dashboards, you'll see we kind of highlight them from red to yellow to green, according to the industry benchmarks, and then show the speedometer which show where you currently lie. So whether that be in the closer to the yellow category or well in the green, knowing that you're fully safe. And being in the red does not necessarily mean that it's a bad thing. It just means that you're taking on a little bit of risk in that area. So kind of with them as a trusted advisor, really our job is to help you kind of move that dial to exactly where you want to be and kind of understand why the dial's in the current place at the moment and and how to get you to the place that you want to be.
0: Yeah. So so you mentioned that this really helps supplement an organization's FP&A role, especially if it's absent from the organization. But in terms of maybe an organization that does have an FDNA role, in the case where there's a lot of red flags going on, like what red flags would the company look out for where they think they need to get outside help from you guys?
1: So, I mean, really it could be any type of, you know, it could be maybe a situation where you don't have an experienced professional. Maybe you have like a a junior analyst or someone like that, or they, you know, they know they need like a fp type of role. So maybe they hire someone with like, you know, limited experience who maybe isn't familiar with it. I mean, unfortunately it happens, but like, you know, there could be always fraud or something like that. And, you know, maybe it's our, you know, our opportunity to kind of come in and, you know, kind of help them in that regard. But it's really, we could, you know, we could also be leveraged to kind of use this tool to help build them up. Because a lot of times, you know, you, the company might be owned by a PE firm. And this guy, you know, the, the the sole, you know, finance person might be, you know, they might also be in charge of accounting, they might be in charge of other aspects of like, you know, the, the books. And there's only so many hours in a day. And, you know, PE firms, I mean, they're they're going to ask questions on how their investment's going. And, you know, a tool like this, they can leverage and we could kind of point out like, hey, here are the big variances for the month and kind of prep them. So that way, like when the PE firm calls and says, hey, why do you have a variance in A&P or why do you have a, you know, a employee cost variance or whatever, we kind of preempt them and prepare them to speak and give them, kind of build them up and coach them up on how to handle these situations with uh, like that type of owner. Um, so we could also be kind of use a supplemental to like kind of build up that type of teaming, you know, because a lot of times it's, you know, if there's a finance person, you know, it's just a guy and they're typically doing all the accounting and all that stuff too. So, you know, really, it really helps in that regard too. Even if they have an existing team, you know, we can kind of act as like that supplemental where we're, we're another eye of looking at it, you know, for, you know, for an easy project to do or deliverable we'll call it. Yeah and it
2: it doesn't necessarily need to be a customer that that is Um, I mean it can be if someone's like at risk financially or currently having financial visibility issues so they're not able to run like the basic reports that they would need out of their current systems Um, but it could also be a company that doesn't really understand why their revenue is decreasing or just had a transition of leadership or experiencing rapid growth Um, Anything that would kind of make them feel uncomfortable with the current status of their financial health or make them kind of have questions if they need help in terms of guidance, Um, these reports do a great job at increasing the overall financial health of the organization and packaging the overwhelming, which would be a typical gap report, into information that's easy to read and metrics that are clearly laid out in terms of benchmarks and where they can perform better and the reason for their current performance so it kind of helps with them act as the trusted advisor through the monthly client meetings and really ensure the financial health of uh, your business is in the right hands and acting optimally optimally
0: so it sounds like your practice is almost really key at least the services are really key to a, a company that wants to grow out of their current mold so if they're small and they want to get to the medium size it's really the fp function that is the driver there because you're taking that bird's eye view and discussing what changes decision-wise need to happen in order to get to that next point. So you're really about growing a business from one point to the other.
2: Yeah, in that, in that function, we, um, we love to do that with our customers and want to see them grow as much as possible. It could also be from a compliance standpoint, a company that's not necessarily growing at um, increased rates, or even if they are, and they took on increased debt in order to fund that growth. Um, and now they have to maintain all their debt covenants with the bank. A lot of these reports maintain those exact records and kind of can help you structure how you want to deal with the bank and various covenants. And whether you're hitting them, we can could, we could help you hit them in terms of the metrics and kind of let you know where you're currently at and how you can get to where you need to be. We, we can also kind of explain and help uh, in the bank conversation with you explaining why you didn't hit one and why you are technically financially sound, even though you didn't hit your debt to equity ratio that you were expected to within the bank covenant. So
1: no, I think that I think that's key, too, is that obviously we want companies that are going to grow and stuff. But, you know, it could also be the the, the converse where revenue is declining. And you want to figure out why it's really overarching. And I think it's kind of key is that, you know, typically, like a lot of startups, you know, the hire that accounting person, that bookkeeping person first, but then they won't do that, like that secondary investment until much later on for, you know, it might be a series A round before they hire like a true fp a type of person, even later, honestly. So, you know, bringing us in and helping us, helping them at that point, you know, we really can act as that trusted advisor and help them and build that relationship with, whether it's like, you know, a communication with a bank, listen, when they're going through a, a VC due diligence or something like that, just peeing in, a, you know, an additional source of analytics and support for for clients with that because um, that, that's huge. That, that's a huge, you know, we, our goal is to be that trusted advisor. It's to be that that role. And I look at my clients, like I look at like my family, like they call, I pick up and I try to treat them as I treat my own, my own family. And honestly, I think, you know, we, we pride ourselves in that, the customer service aspects of it. That also is key.
0: And it, this also reminds me of our last conversation in a prior episode where we discussed spend management and how it was a very underestimated component, much like this the need for FPNA, especially in a startup that maybe is focused on just bookkeepers for now, or just regular accounting function. And in terms of spend management, how does this come into play? Well, I mean, this is huge. If you think about
1: it, we on a monthly basis, we're doing an analysis to say like, hey, how are your budget to actuals? How are your budget to prior period? How are your budget to historicals? And that data is huge, because you could see, hey, you know, why did I have a twenty thousand dollars increase in travel entertainment? Or you know, why were my Microsoft AWS costs fifty percent over last year? Stuff like that. I mean, it helps us. It helps you identify what potential spend management issues you have, what companies or maybe what vendors are kind of highlight from a highlight provider, and then you could dig in and say, like, hey, maybe I should talk to Amazon and renegotiate my AWS fees. Or maybe I should uh, make a new rule where if you're traveling, you can only fly like JetBlue rather than first class on, you know, Singapore Airs or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm visiting this example. But we, uh, you know, we give you that, that point of view, that, that really good retrospective where they could say kind of that, that initial analysis where it kind of breeds that. And then, you know, the finance function I always find is key in spend management and that you know, a lot of times finance is the approver. So, you know, when you're working with procurement or whatever, finance always has to sign off on it. So, whether you're doing an RFP or, you know, any type of spend management, you know, there's always that finance buy-in when working with supply chain and procurement where they, honestly, I always find it really helpful to have a good relationship with my procurement team and my supply chain team because, you know, there's a lot of times where we work off each other where they'll say, hey, what do you think about this contract? What do you think about these terms? Or, you know, it could be something as simple as payment terms or, a vendor might say, "If you pay us within fifteen days, we'll take three percent off the cost of your invoice." Now, that might not seem a lot, but if you're placing a three million dollar order, you know what? Three percent adds up to quite a bit chunk of change as a discount. And from a finance point of view, that—that's you know—that's the type of like to have. That we like to talk and you know work with those teams and not only help negotiate some, like savings, but be the drivers for that type of change too.
0: Right. And when you have clients, I, I can imagine that you have clients of like they, they have different ways of tracking all their data so it could be through a million excel spreadsheets maybe they're on quickbooks maybe they're on intact so depending upon the systems like how involved is the process to really go through that data and verify it or is it on them to really cleanse it and verify it like where, where is like, like what's the process for understanding if the data is accurate
1: well i think part of it is that we we listen we're not well we are accountants by trade the function isn't to be like an auditor it's not to You know, we have to kind of have some trust that our clients are reporting the debits as they should and recording the credits as they should, like that the baseline accounting is correct. You know, a lot of times with these reports, when we're looking at the variances and we're analyzing everything, you can find if someone, hey, someone booked something completely wrong or whatever, it'll pop out. If you're reporting a credit the wrong way to the P&L, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb, especially if it's large enough. You know, that being said, we do have to have some trust that like, you know, that the books are in, you know, the data is half decent, it's in, you know, good shape and kind of take it from there. I mean, obviously, you know, we prefer cleaner data rather than very messy data. I mean, I think anyone would agree to that. And, but you know, we do have to have like, I guess, a, a baseline of cleanliness where it has to be enough where like, hey, there's not gonna be like a crazy mis- material misstatement or something like that. Because, I mean, you're only as good as your data. We could do the reports with less data, but then you have to have that kind of that conversation of, hey, we might not be the most, you know, accurate when, when it comes to the yeah, analysis.
2: And- Exactly, and the, exactly what you just said. The accuracy of the report is going to depend on the accuracy of the data. So, good data in, good reports out, bad data in, bad reports out. And even if you're struggling with your quality of data right now, that's also something that with them could help you with in order to kind of get it through to this group to get your reports with the most accuracy and kind of get everything down. Like, in for example, the monthly report, just going from revenues down to net profits and calculating that on a year-to-date basis as well as a year-to-date budgeted basis. So that'll kind of show the variances within your year-to-date actuals and your year-to-date budget budgeted actuals. And that'll even kind of help you identify some um, areas to dive further in there, whether your direct expenses have increased by X percent over last year and you're not really sure why, or that could be your operating expenses or your taxes, something something along those lines. So. Once we have the data visibility and um, data accuracy that we need, this report, even though it's not going in and looking at specific line items or trial bounce um, lines, it'll really kind of help pull out aspects that you want to touch on and dive further into and give you that opportunity without really having to go through line by line or spend as much time as you would otherwise need to had you not had these simplified dashboards. Yeah.
0: Right. And you know, all all the, the talk of data, it really just shows that the client also has to do some preparation to really meet the next step of having a good FPNA report, like you said, a good data in, good data out, or a good report out. So what what prepping steps would you recommend for the client? So you mentioned that they have to make sure that their data quality is high. Like how can they ensure that they're in a good place for your services by the time you come around?
1: There's kind of twofold. One is I like to typically have clients that have, listen, that they're not just using Excel, that we're using at, at the very minimum of like a QuickBooks or Zero, preferably, you know, other other systems like an Intact or um, the Microsoft system, Dynamics, or even like a NetSuite. You know, I like to know that we have some good data governance and not just like an Excel spreadsheet because, I mean there's less nothing less secure than excel spreadsheet when it comes to data governance you know so that that's definitely like very important and then it's a matter of um, like having your books in enough of order having a, that base bookkeeper having like that that a uh, staff account or whatever it is just hopefully the client has some type of like audit or review or compilation requirement because I feel like that also kind of forces companies to make sure that they're keeping up with their accounting because one of the first things that I always find in a lot of startups is that accounting is one of the last things that they think about. Accounting and their, say HR, you know, they they focus on like whatever the product is, building like the the minimum viable product or whatever. But accounting is always one of those things that just falls to the wayside, and you know, companies don't realize how important like accounting and finance and having at least a basic structure is, is quite vital. I was working on a client last week, and for the first three years of operations, they they had no accountant. The guy. Occasionally we put stuff in QuickBooks and, you know, he wound up taking a ton of time to, you know, have a proper accountant rework and redo all of their financials for the past three years. He just hired a basic bookkeeper from the beginning, even if, you know, an outsourced provider or, you know, whatnot, you know, they would have uh, really mitigated a lot of issues.
2: Yeah, and, and it's a building block, too. Like, without, without that proper data and if we're producing reports from those bad data, like, the usefulness of the report will... Clearly not be as good if we're seeing like an inventory turnover ratio that is clearly correct, Um, I mean, we're providing you with the report where we identify that there's issue with with that data. But the the whole point of the report is to see where that falls in terms of the benchmarks for the industry and get that to where you need it to be. So if the data isn't accurately portraying what your real inventory turnover ratio is then it's going to be harder for you guys to identify the problem or even know if there was a problem
1: there.
0: So what's the ideal target market for this service? So as long as they have basic
1: accounting and they don't typically have a finance, like an FP&A person in-house, although that does not really preclude us from doing any work, really like any client under, let's say, a $50 million revenue Range probably be perfect. Anything more, and they most likely will have like more of a team built out. But you know, really, we'll work with anyone. We're we're the type of service who, whether you're a startup who's pre-revenue and you're trying to just you know control your burn and make sure that like you know you're you're following what you should be according to your budget and you know acting as that but trusted advisor. Or you know you might have some millions in revenue and you want to see, hey, how can I grow this business or whatnot really it's not just one fit it's kind of or one fit at all it's it's kind of we'll we'll work with anyone and we're industry agnostic we could work with construction we'll work with professional services you know we'll work with tech media really whatever it is too which is the nice part is that each of these different specializations we have custom reports
0: for them that you know we can leverage well that was a great discussion on the fast practice at with thanks for listening to this podcast and i'll catch you on the next episode thanks for joining us Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be first in line to hear what's coming next. Don't want to wait for our next episode? Check us out at Withum.com. That's W-I-T-H-U-M.com.